Oh boy, we have we've we've got it all now. We have all of the information. We have we have all of the framework of what the hell is going to happen with the 2021 NHL season. This is exciting, and uh, this is the Canes Country podcast. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, my name is Brett Finger, and I'm joined by Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hankel. Per usual, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Uh, do pretty good. Very exciting time of the year where, you know, NHL is starting. Yes, uh, it is very exciting. And we pretty much today, we're recording this on Wednesday, the, the 23rd of December, uh, the eve to Christmas Eve. Uh, and they just dropped pretty much all the information that, that we need, uh, including full schedules for every team. And in that schedule, it was revealed that the Hurricanes will open the regular season on January 14th. Uh, they will play four consecutive road games to start the year in Detroit and Nashville. A very common trend in this upcoming season, kind of like a baseball schedule. You're playing a couple games against the same team in the same location, then you do it again against another team in a different location. Uh, so that's, that's how it's going to work this year. Uh, the Hurricanes will play exclusively against teams in the Central Division. So they're playing 56 games. There's seven teams outside of Carolina in the division. Eight games against each of those teams. That's 56 we games. We did it, Brett. Welcome, math. welcome to math. Uh, this is the math section of the podcast. And a little more math. And by that, I just mean numbers. Uh, the teams are going to have a taxi squad between four and six players. Was there an official announcement on how many? Or is it it's still minimum four to six? of four, maximum of okay. six. Okay. So four to six, and each team must have three goalies uh, total on their roster. Uh, in, in somewhat related news to the taxi squad information, uh, the final big RFA was signed, and that was Roland McEwen, who got a one year deal and was promptly loaned out to the Swedish League. Uh, we'll see. I'm assuming he'll be back once things get underway in North America. And training camp starts in what? Uh, like two weeks? Something like that? Uh, less. A little less January, than two weeks. January 3rd. I think it's that Monday. So yeah, uh, that's, that's very exciting. Uh, and then really the obvious news that we got from the the, the dump of information over the past couple of weeks is that the outdoor game at Carter Finley will be postponed. Uh, that was pretty obvious. I think we already pretty much talked about that recently on uh, another episode, how that was almost absolutely going to happen. So that's not a surprise. Um, so there you go. There's, there's pretty much most of the information about the 2021 season. Um, I believe it works like the top four teams in each division makes the playoffs, I believe is how that's going to work. Yeah, I think so. So, given where the Hurricanes are and what division they're in, uh, I think the the odds are in their favor here, uh, considering who they're going to be in the division with. But who knows? You know, I mean, who knows? This is this is a crazy time. And uh, this will surely be a crazy season. We're already seeing uh, Nikita Kucherov was announced today that he's going to be out for the entire regular season, which is very uh, 
interesting news as it relates to the Hurricanes is they're now in the same division as Tampa. Uh, there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff. So let's just let's just talk about this. Thoughts on all of the information and where the Hurricanes sit. Well, the one thing about the taxi squad is we did get a little bit more information about that on Monday. From uh, There was a media Zoom that I was on with Don Waddell, Rod Brindamore, and Jordan Stahl. And the way I, I guess the way it works is it's essentially kind of a replacement almost. Even if the AHL is playing, you can't you can't call a player up from the AHL directly to the NHL roster. They would have to go to the taxi squad. And I guess they have to quarantine for seven days with four negative tests before reporting. But, um, and then you can, I believe players have to clear waivers to be assigned to the taxi squad. And you can, what was it? Oh, there you're, your taxi squad players do not have to travel with you on the road with the exception of if you're third, basically you have to have three goalies between your active roster and taxi squad. Even if, so if your goalies on your taxi squad, then he has to travel with you. Your third goalie. COVID killed the emergency backup. <laughs> he really did. Well, that's what he, no, Waddell, uh, Waddell did say on Monday. Yes. That there will be no emergency backups this season. Because of COVID concerns, I would guess. So, uh, who do we? Who, who do you think is going to be? Is it going to be? Is it going to be Alex Nedeljkovic, or is it going to be Antoine Bebo? Uh, those seem like the two uh, options. There's there's pros and cons for uh, assuming there's an AHL season. Uh, there's the issue of Nedeljkovic getting ice time and seeing games. Um, so that'll be interesting too to see who claims that spot as the third goalie i think it would you'd have to go to delja because he will be on a one-way contract now so i guess the risk between having him go through waivers you know there's not that many goal positions in the league and he hasn't you know shown to be that great in his nhl games that he got but there is still maybe somebody's looking at him with the way he's played in the hl and still has maybe room to develop I feel like the risk would be too high to try to move him since he will be on that one-way contract. But I think, I think though, say he's on the taxi squad and say, like, James, James Reimer or Peter Mrazek test positive for COVID, which, like, the thing we, we keep, I feel like we keep glossing over is because we haven't seen this yet with the NHL because the only time they've played is in the bubble. Like we have with college sports in the NFL, like, players are going to get the vi- test positive and get the virus in this the way they're doing this season they just are um but i think the way they it was explained with the waivers thing is say nadelkovic has to come up onto the active roster i think they would have to expose him to waivers to put him back on the taxi squad that's interesting so it uh, that's it that's weird kind of uh you'd think that if someone catches covid and you have to bring a player up. Yeah, that doesn't. Hang if, on, let me see if I can. It feels like that should thing. be an emergency recall. Which then do not have to expose to. Yeah. Which normally you don't have to expose to waivers when to. Oh, let me find. We're all. Yeah. We're all, we're all working with this information. It's all very new. It's it's all on the fly. Yeah. It's. 
Minimum of four players, maximum of six. Don't have three goalies in your roster. One of those guys has to be a goalie. Goalies to travel with you to all games. Taxi squad, the other taxi squad players do not. Understanding is the player can be transferred off the taxi squad, but there's a minimum of seven-day quarantine with four negative tests before they could join you. So if you're playing in the American League... Okay, so this doesn't say anything about waivers, but I swear I had read something about waivers somewhere else. So if you're, if you're putting if you're putting a player on a taxi squad, um, they have to quarantine for a week, and then once you're on the taxi squad, just to clear up any possible confusion, there is no delay period from going from the taxi squad to the roster. As long as you're, I mean, obviously they're being tested constantly throughout the year. Um, so there, there wouldn't be a delay going from taxi squad to the actual NHL roster. No, because that would kind of defeat the purpose yeah. of having taxi squad, which is there if all of a sudden you need a player because somebody either yeah, gets sure. injured or test pop. I mean, the other thing is with such a short training camp, right before we just dive right into this thing is there's going to be injuries too. Yep. Yep. Um, from the Hurricanes perspective, when you're looking at, at taxi squad, I know Alec Sawyer wrote about this a few days ago about what, what that taxi squad could look like for the Hurricanes. Um, some interesting names, you know, but it, you know, it, it's kind of the juggling act of giving players an opportunity to play if there's an AHL season. Uh, that, in that case, you're talking about guys like Jake Bean, who in theory should be on the taxi squad. Guys like, you know, Clark Bishop, you would imagine would be on a taxi squad. Um, obviously a goalie, probably Nedeljkovic would be on the taxi squad. Um, so... You know, maybe Roland McEwen could be on there. There's there's a lot of guys. Maybe Steve Stephen Lorenz. You know, depending on, on what they do, uh, how they want to form the taxi squad. Because do you just pack the taxi squad with guys who can play depth roles, or are you? You know, there's a strategy to that as well. That's something that kind of presented itself during the MLB season. Um, but the MLB had a huge taxi squad, yeah. like a massive taxi squad. That was like, what, 30 players or something? Like, what What was – it was something well, crazy. Yeah, well, because they had their alternate sites. Alternate but keep sites. in mind, too, that was – there was no minor league season. So those alternate site yeah. taxi squad type things kind of doubled as, you know, how you were able to, like, yeah. develop your prospects. Um one thing I did just find it says it says the players on the taxi squad who require waivers will still be held to those same rules. So, uh, Michael, I have another question. Even with the taxi squads, is it how are they treated? Like, say a player like Ryan Suzuki can't play in the AHL because he's not twenty yet due to the CHL AHL agreement. So, is like, can he be on the taxi squad and he's not counted as an AHL player technically? Like, what would even happen there? Wouldn't I would think if like those Canadian junior seasons are delayed or postponed or canceled, wouldn't you think there would be they would they would be able to work some kind of thing out for guys to either be on taxi squads or play in the AHL? 
some kind of like one year exception type yeah. deal. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting. You know, I I opened the podcast like we have so many answers now, and we spent the past like ten minutes asking each other questions, just sitting here confused. So that that really shows where we're at right now. Um, I mean, it's it's a new time for everyone. Yeah. Guys like Ryan Suzuki, uh, Dominic Bach was someone that Alec brought up. Uh, Elliot Freeman mentioned that Dominic Bach could be one of the players that they're considering using on the taxi squad, along with Jake Bean and Joey Keane, who was acquired from the Rangers last year. Uh, so... I would love to see Bach get it because he's just not getting the time in Sweden right now in the SHL. If he could at least practice with the team, I would like that better for him. I, I would like well, for him to just come overseas and play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If it's, you know, even in the AHL, because I, I think you have more confidence in him getting more than eight minutes a game in, in the AHL and playing on North American ice and uh, kind of helping his growth as a, compared to him being in Sweden and not his development isn't necessarily being put at the forefront as a as a priority yeah the thing for me is like if you have prospects who can play in the ahl and there is an ahl season maybe you don't necessarily want them on the taxi squad because you want them playing games and developing and you know if they're more of a prospect type but if you have a guy like ryan suzuki and he can't play in the AHL and the junior season is in limbo or whatever, you would think you would want him potentially on your taxi squad rather than just sitting around because you would, you would at least I would think on the taxi squad be working with and training with at least somebody from the hurricanes coaching staff or organization. Yeah. Uh, Would they just be like in the, would they be sleeping like in a cot at the uh, Wake Competition Center? <laughs> that place is pretty nice. There are definitely yeah, there there are there are worse places to sleep. I think. Yeah. I remember reading Sarah Sivian's article, and there's a TV above the hot tubs. Yeah. I there mean, are TVs all over the place in that facility. You can look at Andre Svechnikov all the time. Um, <laughs> the giant Andre. Giant Andre, Andre the Svechnikov. Yeah. Uh, you can see the mural of uh, Andre or Sebastian Ajo sending Tony D'Angelo looking for his unmentionables on the ice, I believe, as Mike Maniscalco described it. Yeah. Um, I don't call him that. I call him Anthony. He will always be Anthony. He tried to make a switch up with his name, and it, he's always going to be Anthony D'Angelo to me. I don't I, I'm not going to call him Tony. There's just no shot. I'm never gonna do that. All right, well, the Hurricanes probably will not play the Rangers this season, so I don't think you'll have to worry about that. Yeah, so. I think we'll get more answers, though. I thought um, Patrick Williams, who covers AHL, said, I think there's going to be an AHL Board of Governors meeting on December 30th, so that might answer a lot more questions that we're should. finding. Definitely hopefully. should. So speaking of prospects, uh, the Hurricanes at the World Juniors, uh, they're playing exhibition games right now. This tournament's going to be fun, and the Hurricanes are going to have some representation there. Uh, Ryan Suzuki will be on Team Canada for the World Junior Tournament. Uh, a couple Swedish players, and Noel Gunler and Zion Nybeck, 
both 2020 draft picks. They will be there in another 2020 draft pick. Uh, Vasily Panamareev will be on the Russian team. Uh, so good representation for the Hurricanes. There were a few others that could have made it, but but just didn't make the cut. Guys like Seth Jarvis and Jamison Reese were on the Canadian roster. So I, I just based on what we've seen so far from exhibition games, this this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and to get hockey back in any sort of way is going to be a good time. What do you guys think? What is your prediction for the cent- how the Central is going to at the final, what the Yumi, the final central standings are. Oh, so you you have no interest in this World Juniors topic, Ryan? I'm appalled at your lack of respect that you just showed you just, the, these Hurricanes we, prospects. Let's let's just talk about what just happened. I I, I just <laughs> I just outlined the World Juniors. I I, I brought it up. I, I I presented you guys a topic, and then you said, "Eh, <laughs> how's the Central gonna end up?" I might have been phasing there. For it's a quick okay. second. It's okay. Let's right. get back to that. It's, Let's no, talk no, no. about the World Juniors. I would love to get back to that central question. No, but, I think, um, can we go with the central first? I think it's, in fairness, it's a more interesting topic. <laughs> so right. you're okay. right. You're, Brett, make a make a cut right here. Oh, well, that never happened. If you think that happened, never happened. <laughs> no, I no because so, <laughs> this is a more interesting topic. I, I think so. Central, you're looking at. It's Tampa, it's Carolina, it's Nashville, it's uh, Dallas, it's Chicago, Columbus. Don't tell me. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. That's four, four, five, six. Detroit is in there. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have Tampa, Carolina, Nashville, Dallas. Chicago, Columbus, Detroit. Oh no! Don't tell me. Don't. Tell I can't because I don't know who you're missing. Oh. Come on, Brett. You got this. I'm trying. Okay. I'm, I'm serious. Don't tell me. This is not an enjoyable listening experience. Who all did you say again? Tampa Bay, Carolina, Florida, Florida. It's there Florida. You go. There we go. Okay. I thought that I might be it. who you were. I got missing. it. Okay. So we did it. All right, so what do we think? <laughs> Andrew, you start. Who's the top four? Top four. Number one, I'm still going to go with Tampa Bay, even with the news that you know their best player, Nikita Kucherov, is going to be out for the season. Um, that's still a deep team with a ton of talent. You've still got guys like Braden Point. You've got Victor Hedman on the blue line. I'm not sure what the deal is with Steven Stamkos' health, but – I mean, they're uh, they're, they're the defending... said that he'll start the year. Start the season. Okay, so that yeah, they're the defending champs for a reason. I'm going Tampa number one, number two. I'm going to go with Dallas. So you got the two cup finalists in the one and two spots. I know Dallas has some injuries to start the year as well, but that's also a very good, very deep team. But I do I do think the Hurricanes will be kind of right there with Dallas for number two, and it would not surprise me if they ended up in the number two spot. So I've got the Hurricanes number three. I think, you know, this team has a lot of potential. You you know, the core is in place pretty much untouched. I think Jesper Fast is a good addition. I think having guys like Vincent Trocek and Brady Shea for a whole year is only going to pay off getting a healthy Brett Pesci back. I like a lot. 
the four spot, you can almost flip a coin between two teams for me. And those two teams are, especially after today and yesterday with the news that Nashville got Michael Granlin back and added former Hurricane Eric Halla on what could be a bargain of a deal. It's, it's between Nashville and Columbus at the four spot. And I'm going to go Nashville. I like their decor a lot. I like their forwards a lot more now that they made those moves. Underestimating Columbus the past few years has been um, unwise, but I think it will be very close between those two, but Nashville will edge them out just a little. So my top four is Tampa, Dallas, Carolina, Nashville. Okay, Ryan? It's going to be eerily similar to what Andrew says here. I still think Tampa Bay is a top team, even without Kucherov. I think they're going to get the contract with Sorelli sorted out, and Sorelli is one of those players he's going to be one of those really annoying players that all the media is like he's so underrated kind of like a Sasha Barkov type but I think Sorelli is just going to become so much better as he goes along so he's just going to be better is he going to be their Jacob Slavin he might he might just be their Jacob Slavin playing in uh, the 2c spot or the 3c even Um, but I'm going to have Tampa's my top team Next, I am also between Dallas and Carolina for that two spot. On the one hand, for Dallas, they are a very hot and cold team. You know, as the team owner once said, sometimes Jimmy Ben and Tyler Sagan can be horseshit. He did say that. Was that this year? I mean, that wasn't this year, was it? It was, was at the no, end no, of 2019, no. right? Yeah. That was um, like... No, because I, I was still here. That was like... I think that was during the 18-19 season. That was in 2019, right? That was last yeah, year. I think it was like early 2019, okay. maybe. On the other hand, last time I saw a lot of people after Carolina's playoff run to the East Finals saying that Carolina was going to be like number two team in the Metro, and then they finished like only a few points in being a wild card team. Even I don't remember so, what I said after that, but I really hope I didn't say something stupid like that. I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember seeing a lot of analysts talking, hyping up Kane, just riding the. The hype wagon on that. That so, felt, but yeah, I, that felt very reactionary, even for someone yeah. or people like us who cover this team and are around this team. That felt yeah. reactionary. <laughs> yeah. So I think both Dallas and Carolina are very hot, cold teams, but I do think they are a step above the rest of the team. So I'm gonna, you know, I'll throw. We cover Carolina. I'll throw them the bone. I'm gonna say Carolina finishes second. I say Dallas finishes third. They like Dallas goes on runs. They're really. They just. I. I'm, they. They. They're so bizarre to me. They just. Sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're not good. Like they finished that regular season last year, like like a nine, ten game losing streak. Yeah, I just I don't trust them at all. Yeah, and then for my final spot, uh, it's for me it's between like three teams really. Uh, Florida is probably the one I'm least confident in because I just even with um, Joel Quenville there, I there's something something's up with the culture there. I feel like it's it's kind of like. It's just something up there that just uh, players are starting playing to the level like I feel like they should be. And then I feel like Nashville has been on the decline heavily ever since they went to the cup finals. So I don't really trust him either. And I'm who I'm really confident in is John Tortorella. And if he could take the broken Columbus team <laughs> to a playoff win and like even, you know, they kind of got a little boost to make it in in the first place with the expanded playoffs. But I think John Tortorella can, you know, make that Columbus team good enough to be four team. Maybe even surprise people jump up to the third spot, but that's my four teams: Tampa Bay, Carolina, Dallas, Columbus. 
yeah, it's really down to five for me too. I, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I can't see Chicago, Detroit, or Florida making the playoffs in this division. I just don't think they're good enough. Uh, obviously, for Chicago and Detroit, Florida will be closer. Uh, if Bob Brovsky isn't absolute absolute garbage this year, maybe they'll uh, they'll make it. Uh, didn't they? Didn't Florida win the playing round? Or am I? Am I no, just... no, they played the Islanders. They played the That's okay. Right. I didn't know if that was the playing round or the first round. Um, so yeah, I don't think Florida's in. I, I think they got worse. Uh, I mean, they they lost Mike Hoffman, and they lost um, Dad enough. Dad enough, and. They added Hala and Walmart and then didn't bring back either of them. Uh, it's kind of amazing. So, yeah, I don't – I'm actually talking myself way out on Florida, so no Florida at all. Yeah, unless you're a big uh, Patrick Hornquist fan, it's hard to say that the Panthers uh, <laughs> did much to inspire confidence this se- offseason. Yeah. Um, yeah, good thing uh, Cam Ward isn't still playing because there would be a problem there if when – Carolina plays Florida, like when they played Pittsburgh. I forgot about that. One of the fiercest rivalries in professional sports was Cam Ward versus uh, Patrick Hornfist. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, Cam Ward hated that guy. Uh, I was covering the game against the Penguins when they were up like seven nothing, and right after a goal went in, Hornfist was in front of the net. He started punching Ward, him. like knocked his feet out from under him, and then punched him in the head. Yeah, with the blocker. I remember that. Yeah, so, yeah, I think Tampa's going to win the division. Then it gets tough. Uh, Carolina, I think, is two or three. I think I think Columbus is going to make it. I think they're, they're – I say they're going to finish third or not – maybe uh, – I think they're going to finish third behind Carolina – just because Columbus always is just there for some reason. They're never not there. Um, so I think Columbus makes it probably three or four. And then I, I think I like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... I'm going to go with Dallas. I'll take Dallas. So I think it's going to be Tampa, Carolina, Columbus, Dallas. Yeah, only only difference. Me and Brett have a little different order. Andrew is one different team. But we all seem pretty pretty set with Tampa, Tampa Bay, and Carolina making it in that division, as well as Dallas. They've got to be honestly with the roster they have. Anything less is kind of a disappointment. Well, the original draft, remember, had Minnesota instead of Dallas. Like I would have put them easily hands down comfortably second in that division like it's still a much easier division than the old metro but dallas for minnesota is kind of a big swap you don't like the marcus johansson led minnesota wild yeah i read i was reading like a one question for every team article in the athletic last night and it gets to minnesota and it's like who is their number one center and it goes the answer is probably Marcus Johansson. I was like, oh my God, help those poor people. Does Greenway or Erickson Eck, either of them play center? 
Yes, but I think it said that like goodness. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a, a rough time up uh, up in the land of the lakes. Hey, Brett, you know there are some prospects playing in the World Juniors. How about that? How about that? Um, <laughs> glad we're all on the same page now. We're all, we're, we're all very interested in the World Juniors. In case you didn't tell, or in case you couldn't tell, we are all very interested in the World Juniors. That's the big news today. Um... Yeah, uh, Suzuki, Gundler, Nybeck, Ponomareov. Uh, that's that's who the Hurricanes will have at the World Juniors. I'll be. I am actually <laughs> excited <laughs> to be honest. I, I really am excited. Central. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really excited to see how the Central will play out. That's the Central Division. <laughs> it's funny like if you guys don't know like read like he's done like some updates like ryan is very much a prospect follower and guy this is why i was like sir (laughs) i just phased no but i'm very excited the one i'm most excited for is pon i i would really like to see like the kind of game he brings to like the world junior stage because his whole thing is like you know everyone's like oh you know two-way player you play 200 foot game pon is just really good yeah. At a lot of aspects of the game, he's great offensively and he's great defensively. And I just want to see like usually the World Juniors is all about like all offensive showcases, like most of the time with these younger prospects. But if Pomerev can come out there, show out offensively, like you know, be decent, pretty good at it, but also start shutting down some of like the top talent in other teams, I think that would be something really to keep an eye on for with Pomerev because I think he him being an actual legit two way center, true center is something I think in the system that's really exciting and in, in what I'm looking at. It's tough to get that kind of player out of the draft where you feel like this is very much what he is and what he's able to do. Cause I remember there were people who said that about Nicola Waugh several years ago when he first came out of the draft. It was like, okay, this guy is a dominant two way center. And uh, obviously the hurricanes, parted ways with him to get Hala, and now he's an NHLer, and he's a, he's a legitimate player on that Vegas team. Um, and he was a fourth-round pick, and Pomerayov, going into the draft, I thought, I, I read up on a lot of the draft beforehand, and I thought he could have been a, a late first-round pick, based on how people were talking about him. Um, so yeah, he's he might be the guy I'm most excited about. Uh I would be lying if I said he is, though, because it's Noel Gundler for me. I, I, I would love to see him have a big tournament. Uh, the, the upside with him is just so tantalizing, you know? Like, it's so tantalizing is what it is. And uh, it's exciting when you have a guy who's so naturally gifted at scoring goals. There's been, you know, a lot of... You know, interesting, you know, takes surrounding him, and he's he's high risk, uh, but it would be great to see him have a big tournament. I think you know it's a lot of a lot of these guys are kind of like shiny new toy almost with Gunler, Nebeck, and Ponrev, and like kind of like it seems like Suzuki's almost on the back burner. But I think for Suzuki, it's a little hard because he's kind of like the extra forward for Team Canada currently. Yeah. So I don't know if we'll be really seeing much of him from him because that Team Canada team is so stacked right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 
even a guy like Seth Jarvis, who is a, you know, a top 15 consensus, top 15 prospect in a very good 2020 draft. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. Uh, Jameson Reese didn't make it. Uh, so, Yeah, I mean, I think Team Canada has kind of been notoriously hard to make, even for, like, really good prospects like that. I would hope to get to see at least something out of Suzuki in this tournament, especially because, you know, like Ryan just said, these these are other guys are all great prospects and very, um, you know, very skilled, very fun to watch. But I think maybe next to Seth Jarvis, Suzuki is probably still the prospect who has the most potential to play an important part of the hurricane's future, mm-hmm. maybe somewhat sooner than later. So I would like to see, you know, be at least be able to sit and see him get a little bit of playing time here. Yeah, how many first rounders were on that team Canada team? It was like what 20. Was it 20 first rounders on this team Canada world junior team? I know it was, I know it was quite a few, which is just an astounding number. Yeah. Who's their goalie? It's Taylor Gauthier and someone else. Who's the other goalie? Do we know? Oh, I know. I think Taylor Gauthier, he's going to be maybe their starter. Um, I mean, he Hockey Canada loves him. Um, but he, he, he hasn't been drafted. You know, uh, it's, it's weird. He hasn't, you know he's been a very good player in the Western Hockey League, and he he's 19 now, and he he's an undrafted player, which is interesting. Um, he's one of their two goalies, uh, but outside of him, it's it's a lot of names you recognize. Yeah, Team Canada's uh, Devin Levi, who was a Florida seventh round pick in 2020. And Dylan Garon from the 2020 for the New York Rangers fourth round pick. Is Taylor Gucci not on the team? No, he is. I was saying oh, the okay. other goalies. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. They have three. Gotcha, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Speaking of interesting things, uh, are we done with hockey? Is that it? I believe so. Okay. Uh, hurricane schedule, a few more. Interesting notes. We already talked about how pretty much the whole thing involves, you know, you're playing um, back-to-back games against the same team in the same location, likely to minimize travel. Talk about starting with four on the road. They actually start the first half of the season with a lot of road games. They start, um, I think, February. They play nine of 12 on the road. But then if you look at after that, from March onward, they've got 19 of 33 at home, which could be interesting and possibly to the Hurricanes' benefit if that's later enough in the season that with, you know, maybe things going better with the virus or the vaccine distribution that maybe there are limited fans allowed for those games because the Hurricanes obviously will start the season with no fans in attendance. But I thought that was something that could potentially help them down the road in the schedule. Mm-hmm. And one last hockey thing that I'm thinking of is a blessing. Honestly, the NHL changed their offsides rule to instead of having to have your skate on the line, it's just the the plane, 
It's just a plane, imaginary plane that you skateboard can just be in the air and you can still be on side. So we no longer have to see players toe tapping or like Tyler Sagan nearly breaking his femur in the playoffs to stay on sides. It will just be a plane and the offsides thing where it's like a, their mill skates a millimeter off of the line. And for some reason that affects the play and it's all called back. No more of that. Thank God. There is a God. Just a stupid rule. It was a so horrible stupid. rule. Thanks, Matt Duchesne. Yeah, really. I mean, geez. Um, so we can move on now. <laughs> uh, something happened. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, it's very important to us. Um, near and dear to our hearts. Mandalorian yeah. season finale. Yeah. That happened. That was so good. Oh, it, was just, it was just so good. Alright, fair warning now. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. If you have not seen it, take the device that you were listening to this podcast on. And, like, like you, come on. Well, I mean, like, you know, if I'm you're not somebody talking to you, like, I'm not talking you know, to you. You're catching up, to, you're a few you know, episodes people, behind. You know, like, if, and here's the thing. If you haven't been spoiled by now, I you're don't know very... how that's possible. <laughs> yes, but if you if you somehow haven't, leave. We will see you next week. Leave now if Bye. you do not know what happens in the Mandalorian season finale. All right. Fair warning. Here we go. <laughs> Brett, I was... I don't, I don't know how you want to... One X-Wing. Dude, that was... <laughs> yes. Like, I knew at the end of the episode... And we... I mean, we can talk... Because there's a lot of good in this episode. But let's just skip... Like, you knew they were probably waiting... When I first saw the X-Wing, I was like, Oh, it's those New Republic pop dudes, like, showing up to Is help. That, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, he's in a show called Kim's Convenience. Um... I'm sorry, what's his name? Pauly. Uh, he was talking to Cara Dune at the uh, end of that one episode. Yeah. Um, but then... And he, By the way, that dude is like a complete Star Wars nerd. And it's awesome. Like he is, He's just a complete <laughs> cool. nerd over Star Wars. It's, it's great that he's in the show and he's good. But then Cara Dune said, just one X-Wing. And I'm like... It, it, it just hit me in that moment. I was like, we're waiting on a Jedi. It's a Jedi who uses an X-Wing. So at that point, I'm like, they are doing this. This has to be what they're doing. But how in the holy shit are they possibly actually doing this? <laughs> like, oh my god. And then the, the scene, the hallway scene of Luke just absolutely... Yes, yeah, spoiler alert. I'm talking about Luke Skywalker. Just absolutely massacring the dark troopers very reminiscent of his father darth vader's hallway scene uh another spoiler there i guess sorry yes uh darth vader is luke's father Wait, um, what in rogue one when he's slaughtering the rebels but uh and then to have it actually be um young luke's face and voice uh, it was just just wow i mean it was like 
it was more justice to Luke Skywalker in about three minutes than the sequel trilogy did in two movies. So much appreciated. Uh, all of it building up, like the one X-Wing, then you see the green lightsaber, and then you see his the black-gloved hand. It just like it keeps coming that you're like, yes, 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 and then he's there. Yeah, uh, that was it. It was stages for me. It was. I mean, I'm I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, all right, this episode is about 45 minutes long. Um, see, we're about 25 minutes into this thing, and you know they're 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 banging down the door. I'm like, something. I mean, how are we gonna get? 15 20 more minutes out of this thing and it, it feels like it's about over and i'm like how is what like something has to happen here and then you hear the alarm go off and it's like oh it's boba fett he's back and then you see it's not slay one and it's one x-wing and yet, in, in my mind i was like no <laughs> no because <laughs> it was it was for the entire time i was like no there's n- no you see it land and the person doesn't respond when Bo-Katan's like identify yourself and you're like no this is this is like a misdirect like this is this is a low blow mis- misdirect misdirect when did then, Ezra Bridger get his hands on an X-Wing yeah it was like is like is Chopper and like you see a droid in the X-Wing he's like oh it's Chopper I don't know um Chopper's from Rebels um then you see the, the cloaked figure, and you're like, "Huh, that's interesting." <laughs> and Luke's a little guy. I mean, he's not a big dude. And you see, like, it's a pretty small dude walking in 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 the in the robes. And I'm like, okay, maybe. And then you see, and then you see like how he's moving. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, definitely, okay, yeah, and. Yeah, there was it was very special uh, watching that. Um, I was I was like, what did, what did they do? Like, did they get Sebastian Stan? Who is That's, when he took the hood off? I was expecting it to be Sebastian Stan. Yeah, and Sebastian Stan's infamously, uh, you know, has pictures that are like, oh, he could be a young Luke, and uh, obviously he's in the Disney family in Marvel, so it it would make sense. But no, they didn't. They they went with the full CG. Uh, how did you guys think that looked? I thought it looked pretty good. I really, I, I mean, like, you could tell, like, it's a little off, but I thought it looked good in the voice. I mean, obviously the voice was going to be perfect. I mean, Mark Hamill does so many, like, cartoon voices. He could easily make that happen. But no, yeah. I thought it was really well done. I think, yeah, I don't know what they did with the voice. Uh, maybe it was, like, multiple, like, I feel like there was a lot of, like, splicing together. A little bit of the voice um maybe they have like mark hamill doing the lines and then they they kind of like de-aged it a little bit it, it sounded good um, yeah i mean because they did have mark hamill in the credits so they did he had it's all in there yeah well did you see did you guys see mark hamill's tweet on friday afternoon that was like seen anything mm-hmm. good on tv lately yeah <laughs> and then he tweeted on like sunday or something he was like they kept it like we, he said he didn't know how it remained a secret for a full year. I don't um, either. And like I the think, way things, I think that's part of why they didn't use Sebastian Stan because when you cast people in roles like Sebastian Stan, 
People uh, know. That will get leaked. I mean, we knew about Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth before the season started. Like, pretty far we knew about We knew about Rosaria Dawson as Ahsoka. We knew Tamara Morrison was coming back to play Boba Fett. Like, So, yeah, I feel like that might have been part of it. Like, it's it would be a lot easier to keep that secret because casting agencies are going to accidentally leak something. Like, Tamara Morrison, they, like, posted on... <laughs> Like his like website or whatever, they're like Boba Fett and Mandalorian season two, and they did it like four months before the season came out. <laughs> like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of stuff happens when you when you do that. So instead, they they kind of kept it secretive, and it was just really cool. I think it's what most like people like the sequels and I respect that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it brings people enjoyment. Uh, I don't like the sequels at all. So, and to see Luke kind of being what I felt like he should have been in the sequels to an extent, it was really cool. And it, it made me very happy. I'm kind of hopeful we see more of like, we can at least get a little bit more Luke. Cause it's supposed to be the time where he is like the most powerful Jedi. Yeah. It, yeah, and like we kind of skipped that whole arc. Yeah, and I love how they set up like they show Mando. Uh, there was there was other things in the episode, uh, which is difficult to wrap your head around at times for me. <laughs> um, so I'm like, oh wait, yeah, there was there was other things that happened, other big things that happened, but I only remember one thing. Um, like earlier in the episode when the the dark trooper kicked mando's ass and punched his head into the side of or inside a wall of a of a star not a star sorry but an imperial cruiser uh like he was lucky to kill one and they really established how tough one of one is and then it's like and then luke cuts through them like butter yeah and that's just a testament <laughs> to how powerful he is at this point in time that scene too where Mando takes off his helmet in front of Grogu. I was like, that's so powerful. Yeah. But they established for that. That's uh, That was so good. It's like they know what they're doing. <laughs> Very these. much so, yeah. The other... I, I mean, I feel like we will see more because, like, they built up so much of Grogu and making, like, his storyline and making him an important character, and he's so popular, like... They're not just going to sit down in a panel one day and be like, yeah, he trains with Luke for a while and then Kylo Ren kills him. Yeah. Are we going to get a Grogu Ben Solo saved by the bell? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the college years of <laughs> Kylo and Grogu. No, people were like, oh, is he going to get killed? There's no shot. There's literally less than a fraction of a shot that that's going to happen. That Kylo's going to kill Grogu. There's just literally no well, shot. That's, that's so far into the future from now. Like, it's so like unlikely years. that he's even there. Yeah, I mean... It, think or, about, like, but how that they... little rascal's just really good at escaping from temples right before the angry yeah, they, Skywalker they shows up them. and kills everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I want to see that, too. I want to know what happened. Yeah, I wonder because the they were so controversial the films. I'm wondering like 
how close are they going to get to that? Like, it's kind of like, don't go too close to the sun on this one. Yeah. Like, I don't know how how close they're going to get to that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, there's only so much you can do with Luke before you can get to that, because obviously, like, you can't just... Like, they're not... Like, I know people... Like, they're not going to just, like, erase the sequels. Yeah. That's very, very unlikely. But I do think it's possible for, like, there to be a separate timeline of, like, what Grogu is doing that is separate from that that does not require him to die before the sequels. Yeah. Uh, I think, ultimately, I think he'll end up back with Din eventually. I do, too. Um, What's... It's possible, like, Luke trains him and trains him and tries and just realizes that, like, his attachment to Din is too strong. I think that... I think there's a very good possibility that that's what happens. Maybe a couple seasons of Mandalorian goes by, and then they reunite somehow. But there's no way that he's going to die at the temple. Like, there's literally no way. No. No. I mean, I do think they're going to go away for, with, from, like, the Jedi stuff now for a while. Because, for one thing, you've got this whole storyline now, I mean, I'm of so retaking Mandalorian. Yeah. Did you see the look on Bo-Katan's face when he oh. walked in the room with the Darksaber? Oh, she so yeah. She was not happy. She was very upset. She's like, what happened? <laughs> oh, man. And, Did you get that? And Giancarlo Esposito is such a good actor. And like, oh my. he's he's like bleeding from the mouth on the ground, just laughing. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, yeah, why don't you fight him right now and take it?" <laughs> he's like, such a good villain. As he's like captured and defeated, he's just so like he's just such an asshole. And it'd be such a good villain. I'm interesting to see what happens with him. Like, you know, there are gonna be some. He's gonna bust out somewhere at some point in time. He's got to He's got maybe Tarkin or not Tarkin. Uh, Thrawn breaks Thrawn, him out. Well, he could very well play into the whole uh, Rangers of the New Republic series, too, that's set during the Mandalorian timeline. True. Yeah, I think Thrawn's And then it. you've got... I wouldn't be and then you've got, like, obviously, Thrawn Ahsoka, like, who we know is hunting Thrawn. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Thrawn is, like, the Thanos of this little mini <laughs> Star Wars... Oh, God, Wars that would be so cool. ...CU well, Cinematic Universe. <laughs> if, if you needed more proof that... Um, Star Wars is currently getting kind of Marvelified, um, ending with an, a post-credit scene to set up a new yep. uh, new movie or show is a pretty good indicator of that. Oh, that was so funny! I was that just was like, awesome. I, I was like, Bob was just pissed because like he like fell, he like fell off the the barge, Jabba's barge into the Sarlacc pit. Now he's coming back to put them all in their place, and then he just sits on the throne. Poor, I was like, that's just badass. Poor Bib Fortuna, man. I mean, I, I, thought, I thought he was dead. <laughs> I thought he I died on too. the barge. I'm like, yes, how is he alive? Like, the barge blew the hell up. Was he not there? Hold up. Was he there when they went to the Sarlacc pit? Was he on I'm the barge? He might he not have been. I'm almost Like, Jabba wouldn't was. have, like, emptied out the entire palace for that. But, it, yeah, I love how we get there and you basically find out that Bib Fortuna just, like, became the new Jabba the Hutt all this time. <laughs> All right, let's see. Was he on the... Okay, so... Like, uh, do you remember to... seeing him on the barge? So... It's been a while. As Jabba's sail barge exploded, Fortuna escaped on a private skiff and returned to the palace to take over, is what 
StarWars.fandom says. So, yeah, he was on there. So, wait, so he just, like, hopped out real quick? Like, <laughs> that... Whatever. Well, he's dead now. So, I, so all this... <laughs> all uh, rectified. We're, we're jumping all over the place, and we're finally here, and he just gets shot and gets killed. <laughs> and the uh, Book of Boba Fett is going to be a thing. Yeah, and I loved I loved Boba Fett in the episode, too, with uh, Bo-Katan, and I, I always forget Sasha Banks' character's name. Um, starts with a K, I know. Uh, Sasha Banks, where's Sasha Banks at? Mercedes Vernado, do-do-do, we're just going to scroll down here, and we're going to look around, and we're going to find out. Casca Reeves is her name. Um, I thought that whole interaction was really funny and really good. Um, she says that she didn't think sidekicks were allowed to talk, which is ironic <laughs> because she is a sidekick herself. Um, That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. That was good. And then the whole stuff about how I've heard your voice a thousand times because he's a clone. <sighs> Um, yeah, that was so your father? Don't you mean your donor? Your donor. That was that, that was cold. And then Sasha Banks says that he's gonna be talking through the window of a back to tank. Like it was so good. Like it was just a bunch of great Star Wars insults. Um, and then they fight, and then they eventually stop fighting because uh, Bo-Katan says enough of that. It was just really cool. Um, Tamara Morrison's voice is just... Uh, it's so great. So good. He keeps calling a Bo-Katan princess. Like, it was just all perfect. It was so good. Well, and we got to see, too, with Slave 1, we got to see the... Um, we, I mean, we saw the seismic charge in that one episode that was awesome. And then, but 2, I, th- I, th- I like 2 with Slave 1 like in episode two, the way like it's cannons work with like the rapid fire getting to see that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was cool as a rebels fan to see, um, slave one lands on that, like mining planet or whatever. And it's next to Bo-Katan's ship. Yes. Never the seen that like in... fang fighter or whatever. Yeah. That was cool. One of my favorite shots is just like a, a geek. Like I saw it was like slave one, Bo-Katan and then or Bo-Katan ship and then gosh I'm blanking on the name the Imperial shuttle um like all three were like parked next to each other and I'm like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> it was funny it was like this scene like I was like I was watching my dad and like Bo-Fed man walking I'm like two Mandalorians walking a bar and I said yeah all right four <laughs> Mandalorians walking to a bar two are already in there oh um God, and then the the opening where they're chasing down the the or Doctor Pershing and the two Imperial uh, pilots in in that ship that was cool. Um, I liked it how me. I'm one like Doctor Pershing was really apt to just go along with them, and then we just didn't see I've him always, again. I've always like, felt no. like he was like not he was being strong armed by Werner Herzog. Yeah and uh the imperials um yeah it, it always kind of felt like 
he was being forced to do it that he didn't necessarily agree with the ethics behind it but what's he gonna do he's just some nerdy doctor fair enough and like the entire like opening is like <laughs> he's asking what's happening who are they and then the imperial pilot's like i suggest you shut your mouth this isn't your laboratory like like just constantly telling him to shut up and stop being a nerd uh, i enjoyed that too so or when when he says he's on the Death Star and Cara Dune's like, which one? <laughs> which one? Eh, which one? We, blew them, <laughs> we blew them both up. And that was interesting too, how he like said that the rebels were terrorists and they killed millions of people on those Death Stars. And it's kind of an interesting, like, it kind of goes back to the Mayfield thing the week before where it was like, oh, it depends on what side you're on, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're on that planet and they're like they don't see the empire or the rebels as different they just see us as invaders on their planet so oh, that like resonated that so well for me too and um when din is like going to get grogu and you know moff is there and he's <laughs> like has the dark saber and he's like you know i've gotten what i need already i'll just let you leave and you know the mando's like yeah, that's cool. Like, I actually don't care, like, about Imperials or Rebels, whatever. I just, just care about my child. Yeah, and then he was like, your boarding party is probably on the bridge right now. Like, they probably killed everyone on the bridge. Like, the murderous savages that they are. <laughs> <laughs> and I believed him. I believed him when he was like, take him. I don't need him anymore. I guess that's yeah, just... Yeah, no, like, I like... That's just how good an actor he is. I was like... I was totally unprepared, like, when he just, like, then started, like, hitting him with the Darksaber. Like, I should, like, I, I felt like an idiot. I was like, obviously, like, there's no shot. Yeah. But, like, in the moment, I'm like, I believe this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the duel between them with the Darksaber and the Beskar stat. I mean, like, you knew it was setting up for that when you saw that with a, with Ahsoka that the Beskar staff could hold up against a lightsaber and then he took it and then he got it back after the Razor Crest was blown up. Like, you knew it was setting up for him to use that to fight Moff Gideon and the Darksaber. Yeah, and, and the the week before when they were, he was fighting those pirates on top of the uh, sh shuttle that was being driven by um, Bill Burr. Um <laughs> He was up there like with st with a staff fighting, and I thought that was a good foreshadowing as well. Um, oh yeah. So now there's 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 drama in in the the Mandalorian family as to what is going to happen with the dark saber. I think I'm curious about too. He's like, I know it's extended universe, and Disney came into the extended universe and said you don't matter. But um, I'm pretty sure Boba Fett was Mandalore at one point in the extended universe. Yeah, in the extended I'm universe. Curious, yeah, there's been I'm a curious if they'll, like... Because I, I think they like they like to, like, respect a lot of the things like the extended universe, like, try to do callbacks to it. So I'm curious if they they will do anything with Boba Fett and Mandalore. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, Bo-Katan's like, you're a clone. You're not a real Mandalorian. And I guess it's kind of like a point of view thing because Boba Fett isn't like the ch isn't like the child of Jango Fett because he's a donor. So right. I think he, she sees he's an that altered she sees that as being illegitimate when when he says that and Din Djarin was like, okay, 
like he bought it like but you know i think it's kind of like a point of view type of thing um he's the bastard of camino yeah so <laughs> it's it's i i like that too it's kind of game of thronesy it's like who, yeah who is who is the rightful heir and who is like one of us and who is not one of us and if they're not one of us are they our enemies and it's like it's it's interesting how they're weaving all this so it's it was it was a really interesting finale it, i think it's like the 17th highest rated television show episode on imdb of all time damn it has a 9.9 .9 with like 40,000 reviews um so i mean yeah i think everyone really really enjoyed it it, it was very exciting and now Boba Fett's going to be the king of the Tatooine crime syndicate. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's going to be so that I can't wait for that. That show is going to be so cool. Yeah. Um, and Fennec Shand is played by Ming Na Wen. She's fifty-seven years old. Did you know wow. that? Wow. Wow. No. <laughs> she is fifty-seven. I would have guessed maybe max forty. She's fifty-seven. And she's like a martial arts expert, of course, like seemingly everyone is on that show. And she just is so badass. She's a sharpshooter. Yeah. <laughs> so we just talked about it for a long time. Does anybody have anything else to add about Mandalorian? I think just that like, covers it for me. Just that John Favreau knows how to make money. Just prints money with this content. Yeah. They just keep opening enough doors where you're not like, well, it's a huge plot hole. Now you're just like, no, I want to know about this. Yeah. Keep making more content. I will pay for more content. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's crushing it. And he really he really saved it. <laughs> because things were not looking good. Oh, before no. The no, they were not. Things were oh, no. very bad. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for, for us this week. Um we're recording this on the 23rd. I believe we're posting this the day after. I believe we're posting this the day after Christmas. So, yes. Um, when, this will be December 26th. Yeah. So uh, from all of us, of course, uh, Ryan, Andrew, myself, Gaines Country, we hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays uh, to everyone. Uh, we hope that this time of the year is a little bit better than the rest of the year has been because uh this has been a tough one for all of us and uh, you know there's a lot to be excited about we have hockey coming back um hopefully normalcy comes back sooner rather than later but um yeah so this has been the king's country podcast thank you for listening uh thank you for listening all year this is going to be our last episode of 2020 uh there was a lot of changes to the podcast this year um and where we are now is pretty good. Uh, we're, we're having a really good time and uh, we're glad that you're joining us for, for everything. Um, follow Kane's country on Twitter at Kane's country. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast. It's free wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can listen to the Kane's country podcast guys. Where can they find you on Twitter? Andrew uh, at a S C H N I T T five, three and Ryan. At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. You can find me at Brett Finger on Twitter. Uh, enjoy the remainder of your year. 
get excited for hockey because it's coming. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.